Hello and welcome to the European Hoops Podcast. We are a Sportsitas presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. We recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague. How are you doing, Diogo? Are you ready to break down all the action of the first two games of each playoff series and preview what's about to happen moving forward? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I'm totally ready for it. Uh, the first two games were pretty interesting on every matchup, so I can't wait to talk about this. Let's go. On this episode, we will bring you up to date with each of the four ongoing playoff series and preview what to expect the rest of the way. A week from today, on Monday, we will bring you a new episode recapping game threes and four in the series that the game four happens of the matchups and previewing whichever games five might be happening on this edition of the EuroLeague playoffs. We start in Monaco where the home team faces Maccabi in the series that uh, heads into Tel Aviv side at one after Maccabi stealing game one. On the first game of the series, Maccabi won with a score of 79-67. Wade Baldwin the fourth was the MVP of the game. Baldwin performed at a high level, scoring 20 points, grabbing six rebounds, having six assists and one steal. Josh Nebo also had a great performance for Maccabi with 12 points, eight rebounds and two assists. On the other hand, Alpha Diallo was the top performer for Monaco, scoring 50 points, grabbing 6 rebounds, having 5 assists. Monaco lacked shooting on this game and uh, they ended the game with only 4 out of 26 shots from the 3-point line after shooting 0 from 10 in the first half. Maccabi came into the game well prepared and their defense was outstanding. They exploited Monaco's lack of shooting and controlled the game from the start to finish. Maccabi fans also played a role in this game and uh, they might have managed to steal home court advantage for for Monaco already on this game one of the series. The first quarter was a hard-fought battle with Mike James attacking Maccabi's bigs and keeping Monaco in the game. However, Maccabi managed to take the lead in the end with a score heading into the second quarter 18-16. In the second quarter, the game was still a low-scoring one with Maccabi managing to maintain their lead. Monaco struggled from the three-point line, missing all of their 10 attempts, while Maccabi made 3 out of 8. At halftime, Maccabi led the game 36-33. In the third quarter, Maccabi came out strong, causing some mistakes and getting some easy baskets. They went on a 11-3 run and they took a 11-point lead, making the score 47-36. Maccabi outscored Monaco 24-17 in the third quarter and in the end won the game with a score of 79-67. Monaco struggled in the most crucial moment of the game and their lack of shooting was exploited by Maccabi during the, the whole matchup. John DiBartolomeo was one of the keys for Maccabi in this first game of the series. His hustle and defense had a considerable impact on this win for Maccabi. The game had everything we expected, including a lot of intensity, balance, physicality, and tough shots made by both team superstars like Mike James, Lorenzo Brown, and Wade Baldwin. This game was just the first of the series, and Maccabi had a already sold-out arena for their game three and it sold out in just four minutes it was announced during the this first game of the series and the atmosphere in Tel Aviv 
Cardiff will be absolutely incredible. Monaco will have a very hard time to recover home court advantage there. On the second game of the series, Maccabi had the lead heading into this game. They were ahead 1-0, but Monaco came out with a different level of intensity and urgency, taking the win 86-74, with the series now being tied 1-1. Jordan Lloyd was the MVP of the game, putting up an impressive 33 points, 2 rebounds and 2 assists, along with 2 steals. He was supported by Yakuba Otara with 12 points, while Lorenzo Brown was the best for the, the visitors with 16 points, 5 rebounds and 6 assists. The 33 points by Jordan Lloyd, the leader of Monaco on this uh, bounce-back win, was a career high for him. Monaco started the game with uh, Otara, who made his presence felt on both sides of the court, scoring the first 6 points of the game with 2 three-point shots, but mostly his defensive intensity disrupting Maccabi's offense was one of the keys for Monaco to start this game well. After struggling from deep in the, the first game of the series, Monaco started this game with three three-pointers made and uh, 11 or run. Nibu was a strong on offensive uh, glass early on for Maccabi. He was able to buy Maccabi some extra possessions and after a timeout to stop the bleeding and to stop Monaco's 11 or run, Maccabi went on an 8 or run of, the, of their own. They got the game down to three points with Wade Baldwin the fourth leading the charge. Despite the good start by Monaco, Maccabi was right there with them and in the end of the, the first quarter, Monaco was up 22-18. In the second quarter, Sorkin energy of the bench was being felt as he usually does and he usually provides to this Maccabi team. He was a disruptor on both sides of the court. Maccabi started the second quarter 8-2 and was able to take the lead 24-26. But Monaco aggressive defense paid off causing 6 turnovers in only 12 minutes of the game. Both teams played with high intensity, leaving everything on the floor. Mike James was very shy in this uh, first half and the team needs big contributions for him if they will be dreaming of stealing any of the games in Tel Aviv. Maccabi managed to win the second quarter 23-20. The score was 42-41 in favor of Monaco at halftime. Monaco started the third quarter 15-3 to open up their largest lead of the night at 13 points. The scoreboard was 57-44 at that moment. Otara's energy continued to be a big part of Monaco's success until this point, and especially in the beginning of the second half. Monaco was able to maintain their lead and take the win 86-74 with significant contributions of Lloyd and Otar. These two games were played at high intensity, with Maccabi translating their best momentum that they had late in the season into this game one. While Monaco kept their struggles from late in the regular season, Monaco was able to punch back on game two. I am sticking to my prediction of Maccabi in four. What about you, Duke? What caught your eye on these two games and uh, how do you see this series evolving? Yeah, so first of all, the, the first thing that caught my eye was that both teams started this series the same way that they finished the regular season. Uh, like you just mentioned, Maccabi had a, an amazing finish to the regular season and they went into game one and they, they kept it. So the, that game was pure dominance by Maccabi. They, they won every single quarter in that game. And Monaco just didn't show enough sense of urgency for a home playoff game. And they struggled... They struggled massively offensively, especially in the three-point shooting aspect. And uh, Jordan Lloyd in game one played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. But uh, but then game two, uh, like you said, a career high for him. He, he answered right back. Uh, uh, Coach uh, Obradovic from Monaco, he made adjustments uh, starting Watara. And they started the game so much more aggressive 
especially due to his adjustment putting Guattara in the starting five because uh, he set the tone for them defensively and that's what allowed them to, to go on that 11-0 run to start the game. Uh, even though Maccabi answered with a good with a good second quarter, it, it, did, it didn't matter because out of the halftime, Monaco came out strong and they just dominated the third quarter. So Lloyd was too much for them to handle and we have a series. Like Great job by Maccabi getting one on the road. Uh, I do agree with you that it, it's going to be tough for Monaco to go in there and, and steal a game to get home court advantage again. But uh, I'm going to stick to my prediction of Monaco in five. Uh, I think this game right here, game two, uh, gives them confidence and maybe the blueprint to, to know how to beat Maccabi. And uh, I think they have the, the personnel with Mike James, Jordan Loy, Elio Kobo. I think they have the personnel to go steal one game on the road. So I'm going to stick to Monaco in five. What do you think will be the keys for Monaco to be able to go to Tel Aviv and steal one of the games? For me, essentially, we will need to see more Mike James and a better Mike James being able to attack the basket and put a lot of pressure on, on the Maccabi's bigs. We expect both teams to play with very high intensity. The games will be very hard fought from both sides. So certainly neither of the teams can uh, not stand up to the moment and not play with that intensity. But what do you think? Yeah, in my opinion... Um... I just think they gotta they gotta be aggressive. Like the way they started game two, uh, it, they were very aggressive defending and then going running on the break and quick transitions. So I think they need to, to stick to that. Uh, and then secondly, uh, you mentioned Mike James. Uh, I think Mike James will show up regardless, even if it's not a, a twenty point game. Uh, I think he's going to show up regardless, even if it's just making plays for others or for himself. Uh, I just think that. Between Jordan Lloyd and Elio Kobo, I think at least one of them has to give them a big game. Like, uh, obviously, I'm not saying that it has to be a 30-point game like Jordan Lloyd or a career high for either of them, but they got to show up because they can't be too dependent on Mike James because we we say this sometimes that Mike James holds the ball a lot. So if he's their only option, if he's the only one that gets it going, it's going to be hard for them because... They're going to be playing isolations. They're going to be playing, playing throughout the shot clock, like the whole 24 almost. So I think one of these guys needs to show up and give Mike the, the help that they need. So in order for them to keep running and to keep playing as a team, because I feel like Mike will trust one of them if they start the game strong, uh, meaning that I think he will share the ball and they will, they will be able to run and stay aggressive. Uh, I think that's the key for them to steal a game there. I think that I have been wondering that can give uh, Monaco a chance is also if they would be willing to go into some of three guard lineups. I think they might be able to get a, away with it against uh, Maccabi. I know that Bonzi Colson will try to post up, but uh, I think that they can maybe get away with it and that can be an option for them to punch back and show some something different to Maccabi. But let's see where Obradovich is willing to go. This is one of the two series that we know will give us two more games this week. We will for sure have a game for these are two games that will be must tune in for on Tuesday and Thursday. Let's move on to Madrid, where we saw the lower seed Partizan stole two games and looked like a legit title contender until a brawl break out on the court and end the game two 
earlier. This might have impact on the series, but let's break down each of these games. On the first game of the series, we saw a hard-fought game with Partizan managing to secure an important road win, beating Real Madrid 87-89. The MVP was Partizan's Kevin Panther. He had an outstanding performance with 26 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists. Matias Lasort had also a great game with 11 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal and 1 block. While for Real Madrid, Gabriel Deck was the standout performer with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist and 1 steal. The opening quarter of the game was an intense back and forth battle with neither team able to, to gain a significant advantage as they traded baskets for most of the quarter, finishing with a tie score of 22. Tight competition continued into the second quarter with Real Madrid rebounding, proving crucial for them to stay in this game as they grabbed 8 offensive rebounds, leading to 11 second chance points. On the other side, Partizan capitalized on Real's turnovers, converting them into seven points, allowing them to head into halftime ahead 44-48. Real started the second half strongly and won the third quarter 20-15, taking one-point lead into the, the final quarter of the game. However, Partizan fought back and Kevin Panther clutched three-point shots, gave them the win. Ultimately, it was Partizan's ability to keep their composer and fight until the end that allowed them to secure this crucial road win and give them the advantage of the series and still home court advantage from Real Madrid on this game one. On the second game of the series, Partizan dominated Real Madrid with a 95-80 victory in the, the game 2. The game was suspended with 1 minute and 40 left due to an on-court fight where we saw some horrific scenes that uh, don't have anything to do with basketball. Partizan leads the series 2-0, heading into their home court. Walter Tavares from Real Madrid was ruled out of this game after getting a knee injury on the, the first game of the series. Vissan Poirier from Real was initially expected to miss the game since he had recently had uh, an appendectomy. He was able to, to play and to give some minutes to, to Real. Lasort from Partizan was the MVP, while uh, Nanley from Partizan and Musa from Real Madrid also had good performance on this game. Partizan started the game really strongly. They ended the first quarter with a 10-point lead, scoring 31 points and allowing 21. Real Madrid struggled to contain Partizan transition game. Partizan won the second quarter 2016, leading at halftime 51 37. Real Madrid started the second half with a 11-2 run powered by a zone defense and some full court press that gave uh, Partizan issues for the first five minutes of the second half, but Partizan was able to stabilize the game in the, the second part of the third quarter, with Real Madrid winning the quarter by only one point, 25-24, and reducing Partizan lead by only one point heading into the fourth. Partizan kept their dominant performance in the fourth quarter, with the game being suspended with just under two minutes to play due to this on-court fight. Partizan won the game 95-80, and uh, leads the series 2-0, heading into Belgrade. The results of this brawl was a five-game suspension for Yabosale, a two-game suspension for Kevin Panther, one-game suspension for Lasort, and one-game suspension for Gabriel Deck. The worst news were the Exum injury that likely would keep him away from the rest of the season. We have seen now some more optimistic reports after he undergoing some further testing, and there is some hope that he might be able to return. We don't know when yet. Partizan is on a great situation to win this series and to move on to the final four, but they will potentially be lacking their 
three best players on Exum, Panther and Lasort. While I think that they can be able to match with Real Madrid on their home court, they might be able to guarantee one win with three games left. I, I would favor them the rest of the way. I see the offensive load that Madar and Avramovic will have to, to carry. It will be huge. I think that uh, Real Madrid might b- need to be considered favorite heading into this game three. This brawl by, might end up favoring Real Madrid. The brawl started with an uh, unsportsmanlike fall on Lul over Panther with uh, Panther reacting to it and after other players getting involved, namely Yabusele Dek that uh, had actions that uh, went besides the, the acceptable especially Yabusele, body slamming Exum onto the floor, but also Moose and Lasort that were more heavily involved in the situation especially Lasort sending Musa to the floor by his neck while it looked a somewhat exaggerated situation by Musa, it certainly isn't an action that uh, you want to see on a basketball court doesn't have anything to do with basketball and nothing of it did in the end it was surprisingly how lightly Yabusele's suspension was and uh, that Lul wasn't even fine by his role on this whole situation the outcome of the, the whole thing ends up being the partisan that was in a dominant situation in this series and was playing the, the best basketball of the series they now have a harder path to make it to the, the final four while I think they still need to be considered favorites I can see this series eventually extending even until a game five let's see what impact that uh, this whole situation might have what do you think Diogo? what do you think that uh, what have you seen on this series and what impact do you think that these suspensions and uh, the potential exome injury might have on the outcoming of the this series between Real Madrid and Partizan? Uh, I think that uh, even more so than just this series, uh, I didn't like the the punishments that, that was given because I feel like it can hurt the Final Four, uh, especially for Partizan, because if they win this game right here, then they they won't have punter to play in the in the semifinal uh hopefully um they look at what Shane Larkin said uh, I agree with him 100% that um if partisan wins this game and goes on to the final four uh, I think they should allow every player to play in the final four and do the the suspension uh, the next regular season because I don't think any partisan player should be uh, denied the opportunity to to play in the final four, and especially when, honestly, it, this is my opinion. I just don't think that any action from any partisan player was bad enough that they they shouldn't be able to play in the final four. So we'll see how that goes, but hopefully they they can have everybody available in case they make it, of course. Uh, but now getting to the series, and then first of all, I just want to say that. I'm an idiot for going against Obradovic and picking Real Madrid uh, <laughs> because the the coaching gap in this series, uh, it's so wide, man. Obradovic has been doing a great job with Partizan. It, it, to me, it has been the the best story in EuroLeague this year, the, the way they've been playing and what they've been able to do these first two games. This is just an amazing job by them overall. Uh, going to Madrid, stealing both games, they, they just proved to everybody that they belong in the Final Four. Uh, I think Kevin Punter has been the, the best player in the series so far. And him and Dante Axum have held their own more than enough against Real Madrid wings. And speaking of Real Madrid wings, uh, I expected so much better from Musa and Mario, especially Musa. Uh, I think they need to be way more aggressive and take control of the games. But 
this is this is all shout out to partisan man it's the true definition of a team and it's not just names put together if you if you had looked at, to their roster and their whole team in the preseason or the beginning of the season i didn't have them making the playoffs i think they would be up there like top 10 maybe fighting for their for the eighth spot but they just they i think they're proving everybody wrong and i think they're proving that they belong in here with the big dogs and i really hope even though i picked real madrid uh, after watching both games I really hope Partizan can can get another ring and get to the final four. Yeah, this is an unfortunate situation, and Euroleague had already announced that uh, there won't be changes in this punishment. So it means that uh, if uh, Partizan does win game three, they are even more heavily penalized because Panther won't be available for a potential semifinal game. So that won't be changed, and uh, it's really unfortunate. And uh, I do agree with you. Uh, of course, we don't want to see, for example, that happening on Yabosala's case. At least my personal opinion is that his punishment should. Should be heavier because that's an act of violence that is unjustifiable and when he ends up injuring another player and even if he didn't or Exum wasn't injured after that situation he should be more heavily punished within the parameters of the EuroLeague and there is the possibility of punishment up to three seasons I wouldn't want to see uh, what that will require and uh, about uh, the game three in uh, Belgrade I just think that Spartis are in such a, is in such a big talent disadvantage for this game because we have for Real Madrid Goss, Musa, Ezonia, Corneli, Poirier, Rodriguez, Lul, Rudy Fernandez, Hanga, Randolph, Kossar all available eventually Tavares will also be available and indications it's are good that he will be available at least for a game four. But since this is a must-win game, I won't be surprised if he is at least ready to play and on the bench ready to play. On the other side, Partizan has Madar, Avramovic, Nunali, Ladei, Smiligic, Papa Petro, Andzukic, and it drops considerably from there. It's just such a... and mostly about the shot creation. I think that will be the biggest Partizan issue here. I think that they might be able to match Real Madrid on the front court, but demanding almost 40 minutes from Madar and Avramovic, it's like... <laughs> It's above their pay grade and I'm sure that they will do a great job at it. It's just hard to see how Real Madrid wouldn't be considered favorites on, on this situation. Now, a situation that for me is worth to monitor, it will be Exum to see if he will be able to play at least one of these games and if he will be able to play again this season. But uh, for this game three, I think I need to, to favor Real Madrid and uh, I think this is still a long series and the games will be extremely intense and let's see what happens there. I don't know if you have something to add about what to expect on Partizan uh, on Partizan home court for the this potential one or two games of this series. Yeah, I'm just curious to see um, what type of playstyle they will adopt per se for for these two games because, and especially if they don't have Exum as well, uh, I'm very curious to see how how they will approach the game with the options they have. But uh, I think I think they're going to be able to get one at home, and obviously that's enough to to make it to the final four. I think even if it's like an ugly game based on defense or something like that. I think they will be able to get one. Uh, they have the coach to, to get you one. So I think they're, they're going to be able to do that. But uh, I'm very curious to see uh, how they approach it for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And these are the games where Musa and Mario, as honest, should uh, step up. Let's move on to another series of the this this uh, playoffs in Barcelona. The home team started the series in the best possible way, leading 2-0 against Zalgiris. Barcelona took game one with a dominant victory in 91-69 uh, over Zalgiris. The MVP of the game was Shanley, who put on a good performance with 17 points, five rebounds, one assist, and one steal. Joining him on the top of the leaderboard was. Nikola Mirotic with 15 points 4 rebounds 1 assist and 1 steal on the other side Akila Polonara was the top performer for Zalgiris with 8 points 3 rebounds 1 assist and 2 steals from the get-go Barcelona put on a dominant display holding Zalgiris to just 2 out of 13 shots from deep controlling most of the game in the first half Zalgiris struggled on the on finding their, their footing with Barcelona dominating on both ends of the court Mirotic was the star of the show scoring set 7 out of of the first nine points of for Barcelona with clever tactical tweaks Barcelona was able to take away Zalgiris three-point game on defense and on offense they were ready for Zalgiris switching defense for this game one Barcelona kept forcing the switch of Zalgiris bigs into one of their guards attacked that big help while clearing the the corner flaring off the guard into that side of the court and giving him a driving line. This would allow an action at the basket or create an open shot after the, the ball moving. Although Zalgiris was able to find some momentum late in the first quarter and early in the second with uh, their bench unit, Barcelona was able to step up and keep them at bay. Zalgiris struggled with shot selection and physicality, which allowed Barcelona to dominate the boards with uh, 37 rebounds. At halftime, Barcelona was leading comfortably with a score of 40 to 31. They closed the second quarter with three consecutive three-pointers, which gave them this significant lead. In the second half, Zalgiris tried to mount a comeback with a 4-0 run to start the third quarter, but Barcelona answered right away with back-to-back three-pointers. While Zalgiris was able to put up a fight in the, the third quarter with a score of 18-22, Barcelona took off in the fourth quarter with a 10-2 run. Despite only scoring four points, Satoransky was able to dominate his game and show off what he's able to do in only 21 minutes he, he was on the floor he had um, seven rebounds and four assists but mostly he dictated the pace of the game and controlled it all in all it was a dominant display by Barcelona in the game two with a one game deficit was time for Zalgiris to to try to, to try to steal a game on the road but uh, in this hard-fought game Barcelona secured the 89-81 victory over Zalgiris to take the 2-0 lead in the this playoff series despite Zalgiris Giri's impressive effort. The game ended with a thrilling 9-3 run by Barcelona to close this win. Jan Vesely was named the MVP of the game with a dominant performance of 26.6 rebounds, 2 assists and 1 block. Nikola Mirotic was also a standout performer for Barcelona, scoring 22 points, grabbing 4 rebounds and stealing the ball twice. For Zalgiris, Brasdaikis stood out with 20 points, 1 rebound and 2 assists. Zalgiris went with a small ball lineup, Schmitz playing at, at the center position. The more mobile lineup allowed Zalgiris to be more aggressive, move at a better tempo and uh, attack the basket. After the issues on the game 1, we saw Zalgiris deciding not to switch on defense. They were fighting to go over the, the screens. Barcelona, on the other hand, was switching and Zalgiris looked for mismatches inside, moving the ball well and uh, finding 
winning open shots while attacking the, the paint with drives, winning the, the first quarter 2021. In the, the second quarter, neither team was able to play good defense. Zalgiris was able to beat Barcelona defense and continue to, to score in the paint. Barcelona found success by playing through their bigs, especially Vesely and Mirotic, that uh, were mismatched nightmares for this uh, Zalgiris small ball lineup and across the, the whole game. Barcelona won the second quarter 25-23, heading into halftime with a 45-44 lead. With 3.26 remaining to play, Barcelona had a, only a two-point lead, but they were able to remain calm and composed against a combative uh, Zalgiris. In the end, with a 9-3 run, they shown the ability to close the game and head to Kaunas with a 2-0 lead. I stand by my pick of Barcelona in four games, with Zalgiris showing the ability of uh, competing and certainly being able to give a fight and to put up a fight on this game three and I expect them to be able to, to steal this game three. They showed the ability to score on the paint and to mostly be physical and to, to present different facets against uh, Barcelona superior talent and superior roster. And I expect the, this game three to be a battle and uh, Zalgiris to steal one game in this series at home. What about you, Diogo? Uh, I'm going to stick with the Barcelona in three. Uh, I'll get into it uh, on why why I think that a bit later. But first off, uh, in game one, uh, Barcelona, uh, I think they were trying to, to send a message that of how much of a better team they are. And they just dominated their whole game. Barcelona hit more threes in game one that, than Zalgiris attempted. So they're just not going to beat Barcelona like that. And Mirotic is by far the best player on the court at all times. So game one, it wasn't really much of a story there. Uh, Barcelona just dominated from the, the beginning to the end. But then game two, uh, Zalgiris uh, tried to, to make some adjustments, uh, going small to try to, to be better offensively. And it worked because they put up a fight, absolutely. But again, the, the shooting aspect, I think it really plays a, a big role in this series. And I don't think that Zalgiris doesn't have the the ability to make threes because I think they do, but they just don't shoot enough. Like they had a, they shot 50%, but they shot 16 threes in game two. So that's not enough. And you're not going to beat Barcelona like that. Uh, especially in Palau Blaugrana. So with them going small, Mirotic and Vezeli, they had their way. Like Vezeli had a great game. Mirotic was great as as he usually is. And Barcelona was able to take control of the, of the game uh, after it being super close around the halftime. Uh, but then they took over and they basically took over the series as well because even though Zagreus is a great home team, and again, you think they're, they're going to win game three. Uh, I think they're going to make it super competitive. Absolutely. I think it's going to come down to, to the final the final minutes, final seconds, however you want to say it. But I think Barcelona, in the end, uh, with Sadoransky and Mirotic on the court uh, in the end of a clutch game, uh, I think they're going to be able to get it done and, and finish this in three. So I'm going to stick with my prediction of Barcelona in three. So we have breaking news while we are recording this podcast. According to Matteo Andriani, exam should be a go for game three. He should be 
the injury doesn't seem to be as serious as expected or as the first assessments for the par by the parties and doctors were and we should have Exum ready to play for, for game 3 I think this does balance somewhat the scales for uh, for partisan and I think this might be enough for them to, to really have enough shot creation and enough uh, creators to win one of their games at home and uh, I expect partisan to, to be able to close this game at home and uh, make these tops a four game series as weird as it sounds probably yeah. a four game series will be better for partisan than the third three game series I'm certain that they won't try to lose game three I'm, I'm certain of that but as weird as that sounds the the four game series would be a better outcome for, for them because of having Panther available for the semifinals this is big isn't it Yo? yeah absolutely I mean like you said uh, it adds more shot creation uh, some rim pressure uh, which I think they really need to, to attack uh, Real Madrid's wings. And especially if Tavares still doesn't play, uh, I think he will, but if he doesn't, the Exum gives them the ability to drive to the basket and get to the paint. And I think that's very, very important for them. And even if Tavares plays, they still have to attack him to create fouls, to, to kick it out. So it's big for Partizan, absolutely. Absolutely. And another reason to be tuned in for this game let's finalize this podcast with probably the more expected of the series where the first Olympiacos is playing the 8th seed Fenerbahce on a clash between two title contenders in game 1 Olympiacos shown some of the power uh, we saw during the regular season ending the game with a final score of 79-68 in their favor Fenerbahce got off to a solid start shooting 3 of 5 from 3 in the first quarter being ahead 21-19 in the end of this quarter but Olympiacos defensive intensity in the second quarter allowed them to go into halftime ahead 37-35 Olympiacos caught fire in the second half with Zenkov and Cannon leading the charge in the third quarter they were simply unstoppable scoring a combined 24 points with Cannon shooting a blistering 5 from 6 from behind the arc this burst of energy gave them a 12 point lead going into the, the final quarter where they were able to protect and secure the win both teams played with intensity and had a strong defensive performances. Fenerbahce has shown the, they can give Olympiacos issues, but they need to do it consistently during the 40 minutes of the game. Since Olympiacos is able to go on demolishing runs and uh, build considerable advantages that are hard to come back from. Zenkov led the way for Olympiacos with 19.6 rebounds and 3 assists, while Cannon added 18 points, shooting impressive 6 of 7 from 3. On the other side, Goodrich had a solid performance with 12 points, 5 rebounds and 6 assists for Fenerbahce. Leading 1-0 heading into the game 2, it was time for Fenerbahce to punch back and to, to steal home court advantage, getting a win in Greece. Fenerbahce was able to steal this win from Olympiacos with a strong comeback, winning the game 82-78. The top performances for the game were Nigel Hayes-Davis and Jonathan Motley, who both scored 15 points and added 6 and 2 rebounds respectively. Hayes also contributed with 5 assists and one steal. On the other side, Sasha Zenkov led Olympiakos with 18 points, 7 rebounds, 1 assist and 2 steals and including a 3-point shot from the logo, but it wasn't enough for Olympiakos on this game. It was clear that both teams were ready to fight hard. The playoff series was 1-0 in favor of Olympiakos, so Fenerbahce needed this win to tie up the series and to be able to try to close the series on their home court. Olympiakos came out strong 
in the, the first quarter, not missing a bit after game one. They went on a 10-0 run after Fenerbahce scored the, the first point of the game. Cannon continue on fire early on this game and after shooting 6 of 7 from 3 on game one, he started the game 2 being 2 of 2 from behind the arc. Olympiacos dominated the first quarter, winning 24-10. However, Fenerbahce was not ready to give up. Carson Edwards provided Fenerbahce with good minutes and a spark of the bench, scoring 8 points during the, the first 4 minutes of the second quarter. Fenerbahce defense disrupted Olympiacos offense, forcing them to, to make mistakes and they were able to capitalize on those mistakes. Fenerbahce won the second quarter 24-13, but they still trade to Olympiacos 37-34 heading into halftime. Carson Edwards was so important for this uh, Fenerbahce comeback that he started the second half. Olympiacos was able to increase their lead with a 19-17 third quarter, heading into the fourth with a 5-point advantage, but Fenerbahce was able to come back into the game. The targeted mismatches and they dominated the offensive glass. The fourth quarter was a back-and-forth battle with both teams exchanging leads. Slokas tried to be the closer that Olympiacos needs, but Fenerbahce with half the numbers of turnovers, 7 against 14, and 3 times more offensive rebounds, 15 against 5, just had too many chances available to keep grinding the mismatches and came out of this game with the win. Olympiacos closed this game with Slokas, Walkup, McKinsky, Zenkov and Fall against a lineup of Dorsey, Guduric, Pierre, Nigel, Hayes-Davis and Motley. It will be intriguing to see what solutions Olympiacos can present to still a game in Istanbul. They did miss having Papal Nikolaou's size on the floor late in the game. You had picked Fenerbahce in four with them stealing one of the games and uh, I had Olympiacos in five expecting a long and hard-fought series. I stand by it. I think that Olympiacos will be able to steal one of these road games in Turkey and recover home court advantage. Do you expect Fenerbahce to be able to win three games in, in a row and close this series, Yo? Uh, I think it's possible that Olympiacos uh, can steal one. I'm going to stick to my original pick uh, of Fenerbahce in four. Uh, I'm going to trust them to get both home games. And that's because of Heytudic, uh, mostly. Uh, I think he did a, a great job adjusting. Um, for game one, uh, he adjusted his starting lineup. Uh, going with Jackiri over Motley uh, to match the size aspect that Fall brings to the game. So he went with Jackiri in the starting lineup on, on both games and Motley coming off the bench and still having a great impact off the bench. But uh, I think that was mostly to protect Motley from getting into foul trouble early because that happens quite quite often. But uh, without Wilbekin, they, they lacked scoring in the first game. And uh, Nick Kalaric wasn't able to, to impact the game like he usually does. And for Olympiakos, uh, having Cannon uh, shooting like that, uh, it was such an elite shooting performance for him. And then Sasha playing like the MVP. Uh, he was great again. So as a team, Olympiakos shot 16 from 29 from 3. And that's insane if you ask me. But then game 2, uh, Ituris uh, adjusted again. Uh, this time it wasn't in the starting lineup. But uh, still, without Wilbekin, they, they he knew he need, they needed more scoring to be able to to match up with Olympiacos and to steal this game on the road. And shout out to Carson Edwards for for staying ready, even if, when he doesn't get the playing time, uh, he stayed ready and he came in and he was huge for them. Uh, he scored 16 points and he provided instant offense for them that they were lacking a lot. And then he had Nigel Harris Davis uh, having a pretty complete game to help him out. So they were able to steal this one and this was a, a great performance by them. 
even being down, they, they came back in, in a, a tough arena. Like it's not easy to go to Greece and win a game, especially after being down like they were. So shout out to Fenerbahce because this was a great win. And I think they, they have a legit chance to, to close the series at home. I just see Olympiacos being better. I don't think that we will have Fenerbahce having three times more offensive rebounds or half of the turnovers of Olympiacos. I simply expect Olympiacos to be able to be better, to be more consistent on these next two games and to be able to make some adjustments that will allow them to be competitive on both games. And I think that both teams are good enough for they to split these two games. And uh, I expect a game five in Greece in an extremely competitive series where both teams have legit title aspirations. We have spoken about this and we have pointed it out and we saw it in this game. The lack of a closer for Olympiacos, I think it was the main reason for them to be playing three guards late in the game because of the offensive side of the floor where the lack of a a go-to guy. Slokas did it at moments and he was quite successful at it. Shout out for him. He performed very well late in the game in crunch time. But um, they don't have a player that is their go-to guy that is consistent enough to do it. So they try to do it by committee. And it's not that easy to do it late in a basketball game. That's their problem. So they are more comfortable in situations where they are already dominating the game and they are able to look for Sasha and Sasha is able to to get them easy baskets in in these situations. But uh, let's see what happens. I expect Olympiacos to do better, to perform better, to play at a higher level, to be more consistent, mostly, across the game. And with that, be able to to make this a five-game series. But Fenerbahce, with a huge win, on game three and they are in a great situations and um, great coaching job by Tudis as always he's one of the best in the business and he showed why on this uh, this game two between Olympiacos and Fenerbahce well let's wrap up this exciting episode make sure you guys tune in next Monday when we will be recapping what happened on games three and four of the series of the series that had game four and what to expect the, the rest of the way with the teams that qualified for the final four eventually with the game fives that we might have ahead subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos Eroli where we bring you any news that break about the competition must watch games injury reports and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition bringing you all the highlights of the action my name is andre and i'll be seeing you guys soon bye guys see you on next episode